0: Today, I have Thomas Honor on the podcast from his own mortgage brokerage. So, Tom has been giving mortgage advice for about 14 years now, so he's well-versed in it, and decided to start his own brokerage in July of 2019. The reason I wanted to get Tom on the podcast was to speak to him about, obviously, the success of his business, how he's done it, but also how he does something that I've never seen a mortgage broker do before from the people that I've spoken to, which, is doing live events in his local area. So we will talk through it. Actually, I'm not going to give it away as to what he did. We'll speak to Tom about that. It's something I haven't seen done before, and it definitely works because he had a lot of uh, a lot of interest in it. But before we get into it, I actually need to welcome him on. So, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and welcome. Thank you, Chris. No, thanks for having me. Did I get all that right? Yeah, well, spot on, mate. Thank you. So you were saying, before we get into it, you were saying that you were you're a mortgage broker for like around about eight, nine years, but you've been given, you've been qualified to do the mortgage advice for about 14 because you were at a bank before, were you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like lots of other brokers, my, my career started back in a building society. So um, I sort of went in at entry level mm-hmm. um, uh, sort of counter job and then sort of worked my way through that. And yeah, um, yeah, I was I my way at the branch manager and one of those responsibilities was to supervise mortgage advisors. And to do that, we wanted, needed to obtain the CMAP qualification. Um so then I also started giving advice in the branches as well.
0: Um so yeah, it
1: seems like a quite a while ago now, but that's how it all started.
0: So so you were cause you I had a little look on LinkedIn. You used to work at Reebok, didn't you? I did, mate.
1: Yeah. I was the, I was um selling Two pairs of Reebok classics for twenty-five quid. Really? Um, yeah. Worth. Cost of yeah. living. Cost of living's gone oh, up. I oh, know, mate. You wouldn't get them now, but yeah, they seem to have come back around. Back then, they're really popular, and then they yeah. sort of uh, went out of fashion. And now you you spot the odd pair of Reebok classics uh, down the high street again. They seem to sort of um, come back into fashion. But yeah, started in retail as a sort of a Saturday kid, and um, ended up actually going full time there before I moved into financial services. But it was a great job as a as a youngster
0: um yeah I had lots of good memories there it's funny I went to uh, see Jerry Cinnamon at the weekend and the amount of old school clothing and stuff that was about was feeler tops there were uh, Alessi or is it Elise yeah Bob? yeah I think i go
1: Alessi Alessi Elise same thing
0: yeah yeah so there was loads of that stuff about Reebok Reebok classics obviously you could feature Reebok did the um was it the back to the future shoe? Yeah, yeah,
1: they yeah. did all sorts, man. And then they got signed up with all the different rappers. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it was quite big at one point. So, yeah, it was, it was good. But like I said, they, they ended up getting bought out by Adidas and yeah, you know, they, they sort of, um, yeah, lost lost their um lost their, their kind of own uh, own trademark. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the classic went a bit out of fashion, but it's, like I said, it seems to have come back around again now. Come back around. Anyway, we'll
0: go off trainers. We're here to talk about more. We've missed it. <laughs> So you start, so you were in the bank, that's how you started. Where did you go from the bank? Talk us through a bit of a background of how you are or how you've got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, so um was was, was in the building society, of, that's where I got my CMAP qualification. And then um, I was part of a, I was a branch manager, part of a, a branch manager network. And a few of the branch managers were starting to leave the society because it was sort of coming out the back end of the banking crisis where, mortgages were opening back up again, lenders were wanting to lend, but there was a real shortage of, of mortgage brokers. So, you know, people could earn fairly good money because there's a shortage. Uh, and, the, you know, all these branch managers that hadn't perhaps been given whole of market mortgage advice, but tied advice, mm-hmm. figured out that they could actually earn a fairly good wage doing that. So a few of them were moving across and, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know there's a bit of a bit of a cull of, adv- of, of of branch managers all leaving to give mortgage advice in the space of sort of 12 months there was sort of five or ten of us out of quite a small group that all left mm-hmm. so I went across um, actually originally started working for a, a specialist broker um, build store who specialize in advice for self-build okay. mortgages and, and financing projects so it's a bit of a strange move looking back on it because normally you know you'd perhaps do the vanilla stuff first that is relatively straightforward but I kind of didn't really know what I was doing at the time and just threw myself straight into the complex stuff. Um, so it took a little while to get my head around it, but it was really, really interesting, doing a lot of finance for like grand design style projects and oh, nice. you know, really quirky stuff. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, and I was there for three years. And then um, that was a national firm that the head office was based in Livingston near Edinburgh. Um, but I was based remotely where I am working from home. Um, and then a firm near me were advertising for kind of a head of sales, a head of mortgage role locally, um, a, a sort of small firm, but a, a relatively big, big name locally. And um, yeah, I moved across there after three years. Um, and again, sort of managing a very small team and also giving some mortgage advice on more sort of vanilla stuff rather than the complex stuff. It's a, it's a more of a traditional whole of
0: market uh, mortgage brokerage. And then you set up on your own,
1: yeah. And then thereafter, I had a bit of a falling out there and um, sort of ended up out of my ass a bit and um, not not really uh, two, two pennies to rub together and at to do something quite quick. So, um, yeah, just, you know, I was out there on the, at the end of May and then my brokerage launched on the 12th of July, um, pretty much from a stand and start. Um, so, yeah. And here we are now kind of nearly three years on and it's
0: yeah, the best decision right. I've ever made. Yeah. And this is what I want people to understand, because I get some people that say my goal was always to own my own mortgage brokerage. It was this was my plan. I was going to work for this company, leave, set up on my own and have this team of 10 people within five years. What you can see from me, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, Tom, it probably wasn't in your plans to set up on your own. And like I think you used the perfect phrase there. I was a bit out of my ass. And the thing is, I suppose you just had a light bulb moment and went, well, let's try it on my own. And if yeah. worst case, you can always go back to somewhere else, can't you? And it's not.
1: Yeah. yeah and to be honest, I completely get people that feel that way. And I don't I honestly don't know whether I ever would have took that leap if I wasn't pushed into doing yeah. it. Because to be honest, my back was against the wall. I was out, you know, I could say out of my ass. Um, you know, I know I was good at giving mortgage advice or I I was good at giving mortgage advice. Um, seeing how a successful mortgage brokerage could run. So I had all the relevant experience to be able to do it. Um, and needed to earn some money quite quickly so it you know I kind of just did what I thought was right at that point to get some money you know through the door so I could pay the bills and look after my family Mm -hmm. Um, had i not been in that sort of situation I don't know if I ever would have took the leap because you know I understand it is quite overwhelming and quite you know stressful and um, you know so but looking back if I could have the word with myself I would have probably done it sooner You you know it's the best thing I ever did and I've spoken to a lot of brokers over the years, and given that's my advice, I always give to them is that, you know, speak to me, do it, speak to me in twelve months, and I can guarantee you'll thank me that it's the best thing you did. Yeah. Um, so you know, it tends not to be as quite as scary as you think it's going to be. Um, but yeah, like I said, have a, would I ever have done it? I don't know, but um, like i could say it was definitely the best thing I did.
0: We kind of put you in a on put you in an uncomfortable position, which then meant that you had to do similar to like Matt Poole. Have you spoken to yeah. Matt? Before, yeah? yeah I know Matt yep. and he was like he turned around to his his missus and she said look you've always wanted to do it let's just do it yep. and kind of out out what's there's a saying about coming out of adversity the best things come out of adversity that's it you've just you were fighting you were fighting for for your money because as you said you didn't have a wage coming in what would you say for anybody thinking of setting up on their own what would you say the biggest struggles are for setting up Biggest- um i think it's just spinning all the plates you
1: know when you're when you're in an established brokerage or a big national brokerage or you know they've got a fit set up they've got the accountant in place they've got their um you know their facebook pages set up they've got the website set up they you know know how to pay the wages and all these different things it's just things that you probably wouldn't think of smaller things but they become your problems and they become sort of real real issues um to spinning all those plates you know you are the you know, you're, you're the income generator, you're the marketer, you, you are the accountant, you know, all of the, all the, the bookkeeper, you're all of these things initially. So, um, you know, there are lots of things to consider there. But, you know, again, you know, it's it, it's it isn't as perhaps as daunting as it first seems. That You know, you write all these things out, it's quite a long list of things you've got to get your head around and get set up. But if you just tick them off one by one, they're really not as bad as you think. And, um, you know, I, I, I kicked off my business with a free Wix website um, which was looking back on it pretty horrific, but it did the job. I had a website, it had my contact name on there, you could book an appointment on there, said a little bit about me. It did the job for then and since I've upgraded. You know, before I was answering my phone all the time on evenings and weekends and bank holidays, and now I've got a call answering service. So, you know, i think it's don't worry about trying to get it perfect, get it done, you know, and um you can improve it later on would be be, be my advice.
0: That's that's probably a really good bit of advice, is and I've done it with, with products that I'm looking to launch. I'm looking for perfection before I launch them. Whereas actually, get them out there, get the feedback. Like you say, you could do you could do the most the best website possible and spend thousands on it. And then somebody turns around and goes, "Well, actually, I don't use a mortgage calculator." And you could have gone, "Well, that would have saved me eight hundred quid that I could have used for advertising." You yeah. know what I mean? That's and don't wait for perfection. Just try it. What I was going to say is you had a lot of stuff that you needed to do, set up the Facebook page, set up your website, run the accounts. Did you find that kind of taking a day out of the week for all those jobs or do you have to fit them in between doing your mortgage advice?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, for, for me, I did have that gap between where I was kind of pushed out of my last business at the end of May, you know, you can't even more so now, you know, there is a lead time to getting set up. I'm I'm under um, an appointed representative with HL partnership. So, you know, it takes them time to do their checks and get you authorized with the FCA and, you know, don't get me wrong. I was on them every single day because every day I was, you know, waiting, I was missing out on money. Yeah. But, you know, so they did it really quickly to be fair to them. And I know the wait times are a lot longer now because of COVID, but I kind of had that time to get all those things set up, you know, your business card, your website, yeah, all those different things. So, um, You know, thankfully uh, they were pretty much ready when the business launched. But yeah, I guess for somebody else that's perhaps, you know, moving, finishing one role, starting another, I guess it's just a case of just, you know, don't get too overwhelmed by doing it all at once. Just, you know, just focus on getting one sorted at a time, you know, allocating some time in the evening or a day a week to to get it done. That's what I've done moving forward when we're upgrading the website and when we're, you know, changing the marketing strategy, whatever it might be, is, you know, just do it in bite sized chunks, spend, you know, a morning a week focusing on the task and you know before you know it it'll be done good good tip and split, splitting it
0: amongst the week rather than doing them all on one day good tip so yeah. you launch the business it's gone from strength to strength you've got lots of leads coming in you didn't I don't think you necessarily needed to do this local event because for me you had a very viable business but Doing this local event, and I'm going to get you to run us through exactly what it was, sets you apart from any other mortgage broker. So first, tell us what this event is, what happened, what you did, and two, how it's benefited your business.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, in September 2021, we ran a free first-time buyer event. So in my local area, which is Brackley, um, South Northamptonshire, um, we put out, uh, I think initially it was 75 free tickets, but we ended up up in that to 85 um, knowing that when you do something for free not everyone's going to turn up because they haven't got the commitment so we put out sort of 75 85 tickets with the hope of getting 40 to 50 people mm. um, we ended up with 60 on, on the day or just just shy of 60 which was a which is, was,
0: sorry to start you that's incredible you should be so proud of that to give out 85 tickets and have 60 of those people turn up because you say like a free event people think ah oh, I won't worry about it but 60 people that's phenomenal sorry to interrupt no
1: no no no, thank you yeah you know we normally expected um sort of perhaps up to a 50% drop off so we were expecting sort of 40 we ended up with more which was brilliant um it was the hottest day of the year so getting 60 people crammed into the town hall was was a bit snug um and quite quite warm but yeah it was a good good day so we basically the way we worked was I there was a number of mini sessions or seminars that that, that we, we put together. So I did the mortgage-related ones. So again, it was all geared around first-time buyers. So it was fairly, you know, beginner stuff. Um, things like, um, you know, a, kind of a quick overview of the different types of mortgage products, what you need to do first of all to kind of get yourself mortgage ready and, um, to, you know, understanding your budget, speaking to a mortgage broker, getting your credit reports, those sorts of things. We invited along local solicitors so sort of well-known reputable local solicitors who did a session on the conveyancing process of what happens when you buy a house. Uh, we also had a, a local independent estate agent um, come along and give us give tips on uh, things to look at when you're doing a viewing and um, other kind of first time buyer of tips of, of um, you know, things they should be thinking about essentially when, when going to view a property and the questions to be asking and those sorts of things um so we did that it lasted is it about an hour or so in terms of all the different seminars we had a and a session we put on Prosecco and brownies and tea and coffees and that sort of stuff and then we had some other aside from the people that were speaking who were also attending as sort of exhibitors we had a few other exhibitors at the back of the room as well so there was like a, you know another estate agency attended um, with the solicitor firm like I said and they all had their sort of banners at the back giving away freebies to sort of marketing stuff and um you know they've given out business cards and things like that so it was really really well well, well received was a bit of a tongue twizzler um and yeah it was just just really good and it was it was good to obviously for me from a you know giving back to the local people a free event was fantastic of course you know it was good for me from a marketing perspective because my you know, a room of 60 people all watching me talk, I got a chance to build rapport with them and give them advice and, you know, potential future clients. Um, Of course, you know, we use socials to push the event out, which was good. People were taking photos, sharing that on social media, people were sharing stuff. So, you know, from a marketing perspective, it was great as well. Um, And like I said, because that was September, now what we're in June at the time of recording. So nine months and we've, you know, we've had quite a lot of business on the back of that so the event itself has been more than self-financing so you know we are doing another one this year which you know we're hopefully going to release the dates for that fairly soon
0: where did you there's there's loads of questions i want to ask about this but i'm just going to ask a few where did you get the idea from on that one so we i used to
1: attend um help to buy events so help to buy the local agents that kind of look after the shared ownership and the equity loan they run a series of events kind of nationally, free mm-hmm. events, um, and on a bigger scale. But it all sort of stemmed from there, really, in terms of you could see how it worked. You know, it was going to be a different, slightly different spin on it. Um, but yeah, it sort of all stemmed from there. I thought, well, actually, we could do that on a local level, get all local people involved rather than, you know, rather than being sort of nationally or, or a bigger county area like they do. Um,
0: and yeah, it just worked, worked really well. So that's, I love the concept of it, that everyone's in the room. And as you said, you've got it from an idea from a bigger, bigger company that do it. And you've got your 60 people. They're all local people. They get to know who you are. They get to know the local solicitors. Why didn't you do it online?
1: Um, To be honest, it's a really good, better question is that at that time, you know, we hadn't long been out of, lockdown so you know there was still some covid provisions in place and things like that so you know we had to be quite careful on it um, to make sure we sort of met the, the the regulations at that point but for me I think just seeing people in person the whites that there are I mean you do on, online as well but I think just having that interaction and at the end of the event people were coming up to me and was having a chat and I think yeah. you know you can't beat that face-to-face interaction
0: mm-hmm. um, f- from an That's- event perspective That's what I was going to say. I asked that question as somebody that runs like an online business, but for me, I would much rather attend an event like that, either host one or attend one because, and and the reason I say that is because I've got a photo in my mind of when you did that event, you shared somebody's Instagram story photo, which was you after the event with like a glass of summer chatting away to a first time buyer. Yeah, That doesn't happen online. It needs to be in person. And, you, that they could come up to you and just say oh like great event and you could just say one thing that 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 resonates with them and their values that they turn around and go I'm not using any other mortgage broker I'm not letting my family use any other mortgage broker this guy is exactly who I want to deal with yep. online that doesn't happen yeah if and it's, it's just not- that one conversation that can spark so much more business
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, and to be honest, it's, it's, you know, we don't actually do a whole load of face-to-face appointments. A lot of our yeah. stuff is telephone-based, but I think from the event perspective, you know, the impact it has face-to-face and actually meeting people, particularly after being locked up for a while as well, um, you know, and obviously we had some great photo opportunities, which again was good for marketing to, to push out. Um, and then people were sharing all the photos on social media. So for me, that's the way to do it. Uh, I think, you know, online events are good. An online event is better than no event. But um, for me personally, I, I, I saw that the, the face-to-face events is, is, is the way to
0: go. And doing that local event, I think we get, if you're running a mortgage brokerage, and I'm, I'm not a mortgage broker, but you could sit there and go, I've got the whole of the UK to go about. I could target the whole of the UK. There's so much business out there. Or you could do what you've done. And like you said, you, you haven't got these huge aspirations to have a huge team and you want to go away with the family. You want to come back and give mortgage advice. So, but to be number one in your area and being the face in your area, that can build a phenomenal business because the more known you are in your area, the less you have to spend on marketing, which in turn brings down the cost, which means you can give your customers a better service. I just think people need to niche down more into their local area, which is exactly what you're doing. Yes, it's great. You get somebody phoning up about a mortgage in the north of Scotland, fab, it's business, but... Who's the go-to guy in the area? Oh, it's Thomas Honor. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. where you... One thing I was going to ask you, which I've never spoken to you about before, why did you use Thomas Honor instead of Tom Honor? It's <laughs> a good question. To be honest, I,
1: I, I, I've kind of... I don't know about the name. What I think it was a case of, again, a bit of a, right, I've got to start a business. What's the name? And I come up with all sorts of things like Honor and Son and Tom Honor and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think for me, Thomas Honor was just a bit
0: a bit more formal
1: yeah it flows better um and for me people always say why didn't you go with um like a bit more of a you know not a personalized name so i don't know like abc mortgages or whatever it could be um but for me i was always planning on being on the front of the business because i've you know very very cliche but i've always been a big believer in people buy from people and that's the whole social media thing and um whilst i'm not doing as much at the moment because i've got other internal projects that i'm focusing on I've always done a lot of videos and putting my face out there and stories and that sort of stuff. And so for me to have my name and face out there, people to know who they're dealing with um, people to know, like, and trust me rather than a nameless faceless business was really important. So I guess doesn't, yeah. The fact, the fact it flows better, but also because I kind of wanted it to be, be personal, personal to me and people to know who they're
0: dealing with. That's what I've always thought that Like there's, there's another gentleman that we deal with who's uh, an estate agent. And he could easily be Ashwald, but he calls himself Ashley Wald. To me, that sets him apart. And yeah. I think it's more it's if you're going to be the face of the business. and I think when somebody is starting out a mortgage brokerage that a lot of people are telling them that they need to come up with a snappy name and a motto and all these kind of things. If If your aim is your business to be your face, then why don't you just use your name? Because that's your brand, essentially, that is your personal brand. And your personal brand is you doing videos, giving advice, standing up at first-time buyer events, those type of things. It just strengthens your brand, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Talking about social, we've been working together for, what, the last kind of year now, it's coming up to a year. Yeah, must be, yeah. And we'll post to your social channels for you. The great thing is you have got a really strong brand, haven't you? Everybody knows that you're that royal blue and the white, aren't you? Yep. People see that what platforms are your favorite for shouting about your business at the minute? I think for me, Facebook,
1: probably because I've had the most success off the back of that. Um, I personally, on a personal level, quite like Instagram and the other platforms. But for me, I've had the success from, I've probably just known a bit more about it in terms of the insights and how the platform works. Um, So, you know, naturally I think you gravitate towards what you know and what's proven well for you. So Yeah, I like that because you've got the community element in terms of local groups that you can share in. Um, So, yeah, I I would say Facebook
0: stands out as my preferred one. So with Facebook groups, can you talk people through what you do with Facebook groups to to somebody that had never used them before? What would you say? Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, I think, you know, I, I kind of did this right from the early days and a lot of a lot of brokers that I deal with are doing this. But, I, you know, I think I was sort of you know, right at the beginning was one of the first to put it out Then it worked really, really well. So essentially, we, you know, I share a lot of my business content into those groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to be quite careful because some groups don't like you to advertise or they don't like or they only limit you to one post a month or one post a week. But essentially, yeah, pushing my content out into those groups. So, you know, uh, I would be recording a video on five top tips for a self-employed person who's a first-time buyer. Right. Record the video goes on my um my business Facebook page. I'd also share that to my personal page and then push that into one of the local Brackley community groups. Um and then, you know, people are that just that's gonna pop up on their timeline. You know, not everyone's, but you know, you're gonna get. You know, some of the videos that I was doing during COVID, I was doing some lives and they were getting 1700 views because I was sharing them into the actual video itself. We were getting 40 people watching it live, which is still pretty good. Um, so but then it was then being over the course of a week, they would it'd be shared and reshared and re-watched during these in these different groups. that I was sharing it into, like I say, easily getting up to sort of 15 to 1700 views
0: per video. It's interesting you just spoke about that because you get 1700 views because what happens with the Facebook Live, if if anybody's wondering about them, you record them, you might get 40 people watching it then, but it will save it on your page, then it gets 1700 people watch it over a series of time. What was interesting then is we spoke about a live event a minute ago about how 60 people were there listening to you and we said that is absolutely fantastic. Yet when you spoke about your Facebook Live, then you went, well, only 40 people watched it. That was yeah. 40 people. And I think because they're faceless, we kind of disassociate success with 40 views. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I agree. Yeah. 40 people sat there and listened to what you say. This is the thing with social media. We think in such big figures. We look at Kim Kardashian, that's millions of followers and Kanye West and all that. And we want to be them. Yeah. But you had 40 people watch your video. People need to, believe that even if you have two or three people watching you could have such an influence on those three people so please don't worry about the numbers because exactly like Tom said there you might only have might only have 40 people but those 40 people could be very influential on social media yeah agreed love it right so then Instagram I want to speak about what you upload because you upload some personal content don't you as well and it's mainly in your Instagram stories how do you find that helps from a business perspective?
1: Yeah, again, going back to the old cliche, and it is cheesy, but you know people do buy from people, and they don't always want to hear about mortgages because they're pretty boring. Um, they want to know about you know the person behind it, and if they're gonna know, like, and trust you, then you know they probably don't always want to hear about a fixed rate mortgage or what LTV you got to put down or the solicitors and that sort of. Of course, they're a bit interested in that. If that's the journey they're on, but you know people like to be nosy and they like to know about you as the individual and and, and the person so um you know if you can mix it up with a little bit of personal and some holiday stuff and some kids and that sort of stuff i think you know people are gonna be a bit more um yeah buy into you as a person a bit more and obviously like going back to my business is all around me you know my name's above the door it's my face on the website or the rest of it i think that's
0: important that i bring that personal element um along to the socials as well not just keeping it business so, when you say this might be quite trivial to, but when you upload personal content photos of the family, what do you actually do on your phone to upload that photo? I just want people to understand how it can just be a quick snap. Yeah, I mean, you know it doesn't take long at all.
1: It's just a case of you know you get you've got your cap your photo in your camera roll. you know you're literally going onto your Instagram platform and, posting it on there it takes less than two minutes you know the longest bit probably thinking of what caption you're going to put on if you're that fussed about it um you know and then you from that with a click of a button you can cross share that to your facebook page um, and the facebook stories as well so you know you could probably upload a family photo with a one line caption in less than a minute if you wanted to and you know going back to you know if you look you can easily see how many people then watch that story or view that story Um, one minute's work and you've got, you know, maybe a hundred people looking at it. That's again, it's a pretty big return or, you know, a a good bit of exposure if you like for fairly minimal
0: effort. And what happens then is for people listening, if Tom uploaded a personal post and I interacted with that personal post. So for example, Tom uploaded this beautiful photo of um, where they were out for a wedding, beautiful pool with the sun shining. And all I did was send him a message saying that looks amazing And what happens is Instagram then looks at that and says, oh, Chris has interacted with Tom's content. So when Tom next puts a post out, which could be about business, let's put it in front of Chris because he interacted with Tom's last piece of content. Now, Instagram can't determine the difference between the personal piece of content and the business content. So to them, it's just another post. It's much more likely for me to see Tom's next post about a first time buyer event because I've interacted with his photo of his swimming pool. So that just, that's why I always try and encourage people to, when we we post about business for you, but you can post the personal stuff in between. So there's a mix, but it also does help your algorithms as well. Yeah, for sure. Posting on, make sure you put personal content out there. Right then, so we've covered a bit about you, the events and social media. The way I like to finish every podcast now is to ask you the strategy question. So we're going to pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland. You've got a laptop, a mobile phone, an internet connection. What would you do to start generating new mortgage business, Tom?
1: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that I was in a not too uh, unfamiliar circumstances myself. So, you know, I haven't, where I live in Brackley, I, I didn't grow up here. So I've only lived here five or six years and started the business three years ago so it's a relatively new town I don't know loads of people mm-hmm. um, and then I've started a brand new business okay it's not the north of Scotland as quite as remote but um, you know it's not too too far off your, your scenario so you know I would just do exactly what I did when I started this business which is to create content um, I, my, my chosen method was video um, I used to do lots of really cringy videos looking back I can barely even watch them they were that bad <laughs> not that the more recent ones are that much better but they are better um, and just just create content I've focused on doing at least one video a week and then I would share that to my business page but then my personal page because as you know you know personal page tends to get more more engagement on it um, and then I would share that into the local group so I would be essentially joining any local group of that the remote scottish town that i could mm-hmm. um and then sharing in my my videos and my content into that group as, as regularly as, as as the uh as, as the admins would allow um and then yeah just sharing cross sharing it across you know into into my
0: personal stuff as well and would you how long would you say before you had enough authority to do like a an event like you did how long do you think that takes
1: yeah, I think it takes a little while. So, you know, we, we did all, you know, we didn't pay for any um advertising for that event. So we didn't put any sort of marketing on or any spend behind it. It was all sort of organic reach. So, you know, I think it's tricky to say how that how successful that would have been in terms of ticket sales had we done it six months into business. But I mm-hmm. think it's, you know, we could probably say it may not have been quite as successful. So, you know, I think you you start to get the engagement and the traction within, you know six to six weeks to three months I would say um you know we were we were two years in once we did that event so like I say I don't know what what impact Indeed. that had on it but I would imagine you know given that I'd been pushing out content and I'd been you know kind of building my name as the local broker definitely would have had some clout towards those ticket sales I would say
0: um I'm glad you talked about that those three months it takes you three months to build authority online but you can't just post I always talk about not posting and running three months is uploading a video every week, three posts every week, sharing them into groups every day. It's not just a case of uploading social, is it? It's what you do. You're talking about, I'm creating this content, I'm creating a video, I'm creating a post. The most important part then is what you do with it, isn't it? You need three months of sharing it out there and getting it out there, don't you?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and but the more you do it, the better you become at it. I mean, when I did my first videos, I would spend... An hour and a half, maybe to record a two-minute video because it'd be so awful and I would mess up so much. And I thought I had to do the whole video in one take rather than actually thinking oh. slice slice it up and you know jam it all together like we do now. Um and then I would edit it and add in subtitles and put the banners on. It could probably spend me a whole day to do a two-minute video. Um, yeah. and then, you know, just learning how I mean it seems fairly simple now, but at the time when you've never done it before, learning how to post it in those groups with another, you know, and the video's obviously got its own caption on it, but then with your own caption and then to go in and interact with the people that have perhaps liked it or commented on it. You know, that's important to go back and engage with those people. Um and you can say one video is a splash in the ocean. It's not going to do anything. You need to be doing it um once a week for probably I'd say at least three months before you'll even notice anything, I would say. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's hard graft. It isn't just a case of you know, oh, I'll just do this, and, and uh, it, all of a sudden we're going to get loads of business. You know, it, it takes time. And now, like I say, I've, I've not been doing video as much in the last sort of six to nine months because I've got some internal stuff we're focusing on in terms of we've got a new trainee. But once he's up and running, that's definitely something that's my first thing on my list to get back to. You know, I can probably knock up a video, edit it, get it online in in an hour and a half or something like that. You know, rather than a whole day. But it takes time, and you know, I think it's the tough. important thing is just to start doing it um you know just start start doing it get
0: get perfect later on it's like you say putting up one video and expecting business to come in is like putting a flyer up at the local hall and expecting loads of phone calls yet if you fly at every board in the local area for three months slowly but surely you'd see you'd see it come back wouldn't you exactly. yeah so it's all about consistency mate that was awesome i'm sure there's loads that people can pick up from that if, if it was me, I always talk about rewinding a podcast and going back to certain sections, I go back to and, and listen to what you did for that event, because I think that's phenomenal to, to, to give out 85 tickets and have 60 people turn up and those relationships that you've built and how, how many leads you reckon you've got that from that event that was done six months ago? Um, I would say we bear in mind
1: that some, they're on different uh, different time, uh, different um, parts of their journey. So some people were turning up and they probably didn't even know what mortgage was. Others have perhaps done a few viewings before. Mm-hmm. So I would say probably we've had maybe six full mortgage applications. Right. Now okay. you bear in mind that with those, Excellent. you're going to get a broker fee, you're going to get a procuration fee, um, you're going to tend to get some protection on the back of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's covered our costs and quite a bit more um so really only all we've done is, is just pay for our you know just our time that we've invested and it's been yeah. been well worth it so know, yeah, and that's just from those so it doesn't seem like loads but if you look at monetary wise it's more than covered the other exposure the marketing and probably the other the other 55 people that attended that haven't got in touch yet half of them might go elsewhere that's fine the other half are going to come to us at some point you know yeah there's no doubt they're just too early on their journey they're not all gonna we, we had no doubt that they were all going to, you know, we didn't know they weren't all going to come in within the first month and go, give me a mortgage, give me a mortgage. It's a long-term thing, and but we're here for the long term, We're we're not trying to get, you know, take over the world overnight. We're building long-term relationships. Um, they'll come to us when the time's right because, you know, I think what the event done has done is, is is cemented those relationships, and I think when the time's right, like I said, they'll, they'll come along. But yeah, I would say just in then probably that like probably five to six applications that are actually going
0: through, and we've we've received some some money off the back of. And the thing is, you don't know that, say if you had a John Smith that was there and the day after he was having dinner with his his mom and dad. And they're like, oh, what did you do last night? Oh, I went to a first-time buyer event. Who was that? Well, Thomas Honor, his uh, mortgage broker. Oh, we need to sort our mortgage. We'll call him. Now, that might not be a direct lead from that event, but by them simply mentioning your name, one, you're getting your personal brand in their face. They know yeah. who you are. They know who your business is. But two they might be in the market from August so you might have had some leads off the back of that that they wouldn't have mentioned that you came from the event but still you got business from it
1: exactly yeah it's it's, it's it's impossible to track everything that's come off the back of it but to be honest when I walked away from it I said to myself if we didn't get one single application on the back of it, I would be I would be happy enough don't get me wrong getting the application of the business is great it's a it's a yeah. cherry on top but if we didn't receive one mortgage application, I would have been happy because it didn't cost me the earth to put on. But mm-hmm. the exposure in the marketing was great. And actually giving back to 50 people, you know, it'd be yeah, you know, it'd be a bit of a bit of a tough one if they went off to another mortgage advisor after you've given them all the initial advice and got them on the way. But that's just what happens. You know, I think you know, it, it things sort of it swings around about. But you know, just to give out that free advice, give back to the community, help people the along with the marketing exposure that we got off the back of it you know if i got nothing of it i'd have still been really happy and the fact that we've got the business we've got already and probably some more to come has just been, been been brilliant really good thing to do isn't it
0: anyway thank you so much for going on the podcast mate it's been a pleasure i know we've had this booked in for quite a while because we had to cancel one of them but uh, as a little thank you to say f- say thank you for coming on we uh, we we'll donate 10 pounds to a charity of your choice which charity did you want to make the donation to uh, i'd love if
1: you could donate to mind the mental health charity yep no problem popular one on this
0: podcast perfect well tom thank you so much for coming on really do appreciate it and anybody i'm sure your inbox is always open if anybody Absolutely. wants to chat about chat about the event or anything about him launching his business if you think about doing it on your own have a chat with tom lovely blow i'm sure you'll guide you in the right direction
1: thanks chris thanks for having thanks. me mate Cheers.